Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is part two of my interview with Andy Sikora, who leads something called Renew Communities just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, this is really, really exciting. He gets into scrappiness financially. He gets into reaching across racial lines by partnering with other people. Um, mid-sized church doing incredible things around the world. You are going to really enjoy this, especially if you're up against the financial monster and trying to do some powerful things for Jesus. Enjoy this. When I preach, I ask questions, um, and I, I you know, want people to talk, give answers. Um, people are like, oh, that'll work, you know, as long as your church stays small. And, you know, we'd have 20, 30, 40, 70 adults at the beginning, so you can ask questions, it's fine. But now, you know, some Sundays in our first gathering, we'll have 200 adults. We still do it, you know, because I want people to know their voice matters, that the church is the people of God, not just a guy on a stage. So there's that. Our micro churches all have to have a specific missional focus. So we have a neighborhood network in need. And so it's the up in and out that Breen talked about and a lot of other people do. But the out has to be there first. If they can't say who specifically they're they're being sent to then they can't start and we just i just before this ralph like it 10 minutes before we got on the call i was talking to bethany who's our worship pastor but she's also our pastor of missional discipleship she said that this one micro church we were going to launch isn't going to happen now and the and the reason it's not is because they can't clarify the who and they're so discouraged they want to do acts of kindness for random people and we're like well that's that's nice, but that's not like that's not mission. That's not gospel mission. You know, it's about who, not what, right? So we're very passionate about keeping that on. We got fourteen of those micro churches, and they feel different. Each one of them is different. Some of them, you know, they're just different. It's all based on who's in the group, right? And then we have these discipleship huddles that are pretty basic around what is God saying and what are you doing about it. And they're like shorter term, but we're trying to help people learn to hear the Holy Spirit and obey him. And most of the time, that's where our missions or micro churches come out of is through these people who hear. And so it's not really a unique model. Um, I think what's unique for us is that we allow our personality and our experience in larger church settings and, you know, like attractional church to kind of help us do the Sunday thing pretty well without um, it eating up a lot of our time. I know, you know, I have good friends who are running microchurch uh, kind of churches. They don't even do Sunday gathering. I think that's awesome, too. You know, the goal is how do we get more and more people engaged in mission? But Cleveland's a highly Catholic community. And so um, the worship gathering still really matters to a lot of people who come out of a Catholic background sure. and, and some Protestant backgrounds as well. Sure. You know, and I like I like gathering for worship too. <laughs> you know, it's, it's something that's mattered to me since I was a kid, right? You know, so I love it. So take us on a trip around the world because you guys have a, you, uh, give us some numbers. How, how many people, yeah. how many uh, uh, adults and then adults and children are involved mm -hmm. right, right now in a given month? How many people are there? Because it's not yeah. huge, but, but the, the reach is huge. And that, I want to draw that contrast for people who are listening to this. Yeah. So we have um, probably on a Sunday morning, we're averaging currently around 400 people. Um, adults probably about, it's probably about three adults for every one kid, fourth grade and under. Um, we have, so we have about 300 adults, a hundred kids, let's say, just to keep it even. Um, we have uh, 
for, and we have a pretty sizable youth ministry now, about 40, 50 kids on a Sunday night coming out. Um, we have 14 micro churches or, you know, basically missional communities. Um, and uh, they are all over the city um, of Cleveland. So we go from the one suburb that's kind of like in the next county over on the west side. And we're starting one on the east side of Cleveland this week with a guy named Jermaine and his wife, Brittany, who are an answer to prayer. We've been praying for a couple who have the kind of like leadership chops and vision to reach the east side. Because east side of Cleveland on a Sunday's 20 minute drive. But like right now, if we tried to get over there, it'd be like 40 minutes, you know. It's a, it's there's a distance, and so people driving from the east side to our church. I'm going. This is our next church plant, you know. But we need somebody who can lead it. You know, we need somebody who can be that guy or that girl. And so we're really excited about them. Um, yeah. So church plants. You you guys have planted a few churches. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been a part of planting uh, probably seven churches. I would not say there are church plants, you know, like they're not our babies. We're like more like helping in that. Um, about four years ago, we, we, I heard early on, you know, in church planting, I heard Bob Roberts from uh, Northwoods down in Texas talk about, um, being a church that plants churches and, uh, how we don't want to just like play around with like a hobby, like building a little model car. We want to be about, we want to be a factory that's sending out cars. Right. And I'm like, that's what I want to be. Um, and you realize quickly that, uh, to run a factory, you need resources, right? Like, you you know, the reason, the reason it's a hobby for most of us is because we don't have the resources to go to be pro at it. Right. And so I thought for a long time, how do we plant churches if we don't have, and I mean, resources, money, time, you know, people, people, resources, all that stuff. How do we do this? And, and leaders that are developed to go be sent and we're developing leaders, but we're, de- we're developing. One of the reasons we changed the name to micro churches is because I felt like we had elevated like big organizational church up here. So it was almost unattainable for the normal person to think of themselves as church planters. And so I wanted to like diminish that to the place of like, no, the church is the people. And so you could be a church planter and not be a professional pastor. You could be a church planter and not be seminary trained. You could be, you know, which is stuff I believe. Um, but I think, you know, if the medium is the message, everybody on our team is seminary trained or, or Bible college, or whatever, they get paid to do this. So, um, so I was like, we got to, we got to figure this out. And um, I was talking to a friend of mine down in Canton named Jason Lance, and he's at a church called River Tree. Uh, Greg Nettle, who's the pastor of Stadia, had been there, or pastor, president of Stadia, had been there for years and years, and Jason took over. And we're like, how do we be a network of the churches that plant churches? And so through a lot of conversations and, and whatever, we started a, a local church planting network in Cleveland that we call the Kingdom Collective. And we're, you know, multi-denominational. A lot of us are pretty scrappy, you know, like smaller churches, some that are about our size, some that are a little bigger, some that are smaller. Um, and, and the goal we stole from New Thing, uh, you know, we want to be friends on mission. Uh, we want to share our relationship. Re, re, um, we want to reproduce what God is doing in our churches. We want to share our resources and we want to start residencies. And so 
we've just said, hey, let's let's pool what we have together. And that's how we started really getting traction and planting things um, here in Cleveland. And, you know, we have a friend who planted a vineyard church up in Lakewood. Uh, just this year, we supported a woman named Lumar um, Vargas, and she planted uh, Aviva Church of the Nazarene. And uh, they're a Spanish-speaking congregation reaching Spanish-speaking millennials who uh, they have probably about 100 people connected right now. And it just launched like two months ago. And uh, they're all 80% of our congregation has either been de-churched for 10 years or never churched. So we're seeing some really cool stuff happen there. And, and all of these churches are pitching in together and helping plant these, these churches here in Cleveland. And I'm trying to help our denomination start thinking about planting like that too, that we would, because um, we have a lot of, some, uh, I mean, they're, they're historic churches. Some of them are bigger, some of them are smaller, but not almost none of them could afford to send out a church in a launch large model. So how could we do this, yeah. you know, collectively together? This is good. Um, I was on your website and I, I saw you're doing some things overseas. You're, you're supporting people. How, how does all that work? Yeah. So um, we have that. I mean, I'll tell you the honest truth is that it's been a battle, man. Um, we always wanted to partner internationally with groups that were going to try to plant churches with indigenous people groups, like with native people to those regions. Yeah. We had a partnership in, um, in a place I'm not going to say it right now because I don't want to, I mean, people can do the research. They could go to our website and find the name if they want, but uh, there just, there was a breakdown of, of um, there's a, a significant moral failure that impacted our church in that mission. Um, and so we had invested a ton of time and money, energy in that partnership as a little mom and pop kind of run place. So we were really into that. You know, we like the self starters and the entrepreneurial parts of it, but it, there was a lot, a lot we learned through that because there was a lack of accountability and a lack of oversight. So um, trying to reestablish our connections internationally has been challenging. In the last like two or three years, we're partnered with Compassion International. And one of the reasons we did that was because they do have a heart for church planting. Um, and so it's a bigger organization with some really great accountability. And so that was kind of our first step back into it. And then our denomination has a group uh, called uh, UB, United Brethren Global, and they're working in um, partnerships around the world. So we're partnering uh, right now with a group that's working in Thailand mm -hmm. and the craziest stuff, right? Like we have, there's a, um, a Honduran couple that were in a United Brethren church that uh, felt called to missions and they're going to Thailand. So we are helping support a Honduran couple who are moving to Thailand to work with uh, some Thai missionaries there to start churches in, in Thailand, which is cool. It's just like amazing to see how God is doing these things. And then um, I'm trying to think through, we're also, there's a new uh, mission towards um, a Pakistani, unreached Pakistani people group that we're, we're really excited to see what God is going to do. That's all wild too, man. Like that's like through radio ministry, which is crazy to think that that's happening, but and it's like, they learn the language and they're doing this radio ministry that's like calling people out and, and, and they're meeting Jesus. It's wild. So, so that's some of the stuff that we're doing uh, internationally. You know, as I listen to you, I, I, I want to kind of land the plane here. Mm -hmm. I, you used a word earlier on, scrappy. 
and you, mm -hmm. you, uh, I, I hear you, uh, you know, we, we want to, we're looking for the best sound equipment that we can get, but we want it a couple of years old and we want it used. That's pretty yeah. much how I buy all my electronics. I, yeah, you know, I'll go look for something four years old. What was the best? And then I look for it refurbished and I save a ton of money. Yeah. But, but that I think comes out of my church planning experience because yeah. we're that way you managed to uh, solicit help from people that you knew um, in a way playing on their, their conscience They're you know, that mm -hmm. we want to do this, but we're not doing it. So come help us. And, and we'll, and now you're, you're flipping it and you're helping other people kind of catch as catch can finding the people where you find them. Mm -hmm. but the one thing that I keep hearing you talk about is, is mission and that everything mm -hmm. is very, very focused on mission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um kind of tie that up and put a ribbon on it for me yeah you're you're it's really i i get the sense talking to you andy that this is kind of you this is your yeah your your basic approach to life and and i think that there's a lot that people can learn from you know i've been i i, I probably said this on five podcasts but i've been camping out in john 15 either mm -hmm. jesus is a liar or god is giving us everything that we need to to bear mm -hmm. fruit Yes. And if he's giving us everything and we think he's not, then something's wrong with our thinking. It's yeah. not, nothing's wrong with God. And you've you've found a way to go, enough is enough. I don't need whatever. I, I, I'm, I'm going to figure out a way to make this work, including things like radio in Pakistan or, you know, it's, yeah, right. it's crazy. Yeah. I think the, the answer to that is really, you said the word, he's given us enough. And I think often, and this maybe is, um, you know, you can speak to the culture, our country, just our own temperament as individuals, is that often we think like it's about what I have or what my church has, right? Like, do we have what we need? Do I have what we need? Um, and I think uh, when you begin to think that, no, um, the church is, uh, you know, the church is universal, it's global, it's, it's bigger than my little thing right here then God has entrusted us with all we need, right? And um, so thinking about, okay, well, if, I, if our budget isn't big enough to support a church plant, but God wants to plant that church, I think the invitation uh, that God gives us is to help follow his leadership to, to figure out where he's got it. You know, like it, through the Holy Spirit, he's uniting us together for these things. And I do think that that's a gift that God has given to me that I can see and think through, like, where can I connect the dots? And what I find is as soon as you help people see it, they're, they're, it's almost like they've been like, I've been waiting for someone to help me figure out what to do with this money or this stuff or these people. And so when you have that impulse, people are grateful that you're inviting them to do it. It feels sometimes like um, you're being bolder than you ought to be or more whatever, you know, but nobody has ever complained. I'm really sorry that we helped you plant that church. You know, nobody said that. They're always grateful that you've opened the door and invited them in. And as best as I can tell, that's part of that apostolic gifting, right, that, that we see. And so I think uh, one of the things I had to grow in was the belief that, um, and this is all the way back to the mission question you said, is the belief that this isn't my thing, right? This is God's invitation to me in this moment for the bigger thing that he's already doing. You know, it's the part that, that I get to play. And, you know, I mean, you're talking about 
John, and if if the the reality is um, they will know we belong to him by how we love each other. Part of that love is how we work together, right? Like I I can love you as a like I can love things about you. But the reality is the way that people know that that we love each other is that we do things together. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if we can't do things together, we probably don't really love each other. And so it's a shining example of how God works across, you know, organizational boundaries, relational boundaries. I mean, I'll tell you this, Ralph, like probably four years ago, I was like, I don't have uh, a black friend or a Hispanic friend. Like I know black people and Hispanic people. I don't have any friends. I'm like, why is that? Well, I like realized how homogenous my life was, where I lived. And so I started going, uh, okay, Lord, I, I, I want to be united with brothers and sisters of other ethnic backgrounds and other racial backgrounds. And, you know, you can start going like, how do I make black friends or Hispanic friends or whatever? You can start thinking that and try and like kind of fabricate that. But what I realized was I have a, a bunch of friends in the last four years now that are black and Hispanic. And it's because the Lord's brought us together to do things together, you know, like, and so my friend Lumar, my friend JT, my friend Brandon, like these are guys and two guys and a woman that I would never have, our paths wouldn't have crossed if it hadn't been for the mission of God. Right. And so um, he unites us in ways that then is a testimony to his goodness. So that's the stuff, you know, and it is, it is who I am. I think sometimes our people, I wonder if our people, you know, everybody's like, oh, you say that not, I mean, as a leader, you're going to say the same things over and over because you're reinforcing the mission. But I feel like I'm reinforcing living missionally, living on mission all the time to the point where I have to remind myself, oh, we should probably talk about uh, some of these other things because they apply to mission, but it's also like the normal struggle of people's lives. And I don't want to ignore that because I'm saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. So it is who I am for sure. It's good. Well, you know, you, you've, you've thrown out a lot, a lot more than happens sometimes when we do these podcasts in terms of little hooks that people are going to be going, I never thought that way before. So if somebody wanted to follow through and, you know, get a hold of you, obviously the website, but yeah. if they wanted to make connection, can you give us information so that they can do that? Yeah, sure. If you go to renewcommunities.com, um, you can check out our church. And my email address is just andy at renewcommunities.com. Uh, I'm on like Twitter and whatever is Andrew Sakura, just all together. Um, but I'm pretty easy to find that way. Uh, I will just say, you know, we um, here in Cleveland, we are trying to plant churches. And so if you're like hearing this and you're like, I don't know, maybe God's calling me to Cleveland. Um, you know, I, I want to talk to you. Uh, our denomination looking for people who want to plant churches and we're we're all about it so um but even if we just talk about how you can do what you're doing where you're at i don't care i'm all for fanning into flame what god is already doing and i think whatever connection we have somehow leads to the thing he wants us to do together we don't even know what it is a lot of the time so i'm happy to connect talk i'd love to hear what's going on in different parts of the country as well well, thanks, man. This has really been uplifting, and uh, I'm really excited to have you on here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's great, and I appreciate you, Ralph, and uh, I've gotten to be in the room with you lots of times over the last couple of years through Multipliers Learning Community and reading your stuff, and so I'm just grateful for the investment you've made and you keep making, so thanks for all you're doing.